Hi, welcome to Agora Community Radio, the podcast for artists in the animation industry who want to listen and learn on the go. This episode is from our Q&A sessions, where David and Brent answer questions from the audience and also any questions from our social media followers. You can always head on over to our website, agora.community, to watch the full video, or if you just want to listen to what we think are the most interesting bits and pieces of these conversations, you can listen to the Agora Bytes clips on this channel. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Oh, Agora community, how are uh, you all doing this evening? We are back with another K with uh, myself and David Hubert. Um, we are making some serious progress. David and I were just talking before before I went live here with the um, with regards to the the backlog of questions. We're actually putting a dent in it, which is impressive. So um, before I forget um, to say it later on, and I will try to remember to say this later on, um, we are going to have to do another blitz of you know gathering questions from. Um, you find individuals out there. So uh, be prepared. If you got something right, written down, you got something that's been kicking around in your brain, you want to know more about um, something, then uh, make sure you bring it to these kind of streams. Then you can always uh, reply to Scott's posts um, on Instagram whenever he's getting ready for another round of these Q&As. So without further ado, let me bring in David and we'll get this party started. David. Hey. Hello. How many of those have, have we done so far? Oh man, um, uh, Scott would know. Scott, Scott, he's right there, because uh, he usually numbers them. Thirteen. Thirteen. Wow. Because it seemed that yeah, a couple of weeks ago we had a pile to go through that was yeah. just endless, and then slowly we've yeah. been grinding forward yeah. like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. And yeah. there we are. We're getting at the end of the list. That's dedication right there. We're, we're, we, we made a promise. We're keeping it, damn it. Now it's up to you, the community, to fill our bucket back up again to make us feel like we're not doing our job. <laughs> I feel we're going to regret what we just yeah, yeah, oh, said yeah, right now. Sure. <laughs> There's no doubt. We're going to be like, careful what you wish for. Um, yeah. So speaking of which, why don't we start it off with the one at the top of the list. This is the one that Scott was uh, promoting this particular Q&A with online this week. Um, it is a, um, it's a, it's an interesting question. Let's bring it up. I think this is kind of the kind of question you get sort of like, it comes with the sort of the anxiety of trying to get your first job. And you're like, you got lots of questions. You don't know what's expected of you. Um, and you start wondering questions like this. Is there, um, this is from Ender Perez, actually Ender, I think he's in the audience right now. Um, is there a speed limit propose when you are junior animating <laughs> a junior animator working on a shot? <laughs> Short answer is David. No. <laughs> Short answer is okay. Moving along. Moving um, on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a, it's an interesting question. Is there a speed limit propose? I mean, are you? I, I assume that you're asking like, is an expectation of how quick you need to be able to animate as a junior? Is I guess that's probably what you're asking. I I can imagine the junior animator on his first job with total, oh, you yeah. know. Uh, uh, analysis paralysis oh, of yeah. stressing oh, about how much oh, yeah. time oh, yeah. he is spending yeah. at this one pose yeah. and just becoming <laughs> inefficient by the oh, fact yeah. that he's thinking he's a about timer. the timer. You know, he or she or they have a timer up in the in the in the, in the corner of their screen in like every pose they try to keep themselves <laughs> efficient. Yeah. Okay. It, so uh, it's um, so again, like, we we can tackle this question in many different uh, angles. Uh, yeah. For me, it's it's funny because every animator have their own strength and, and weakness. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that me personally, I was not the fastest <laughs> as crafting good poses mm -hmm. uh, because it was mainly coming from, you know, my not amazing mm -hmm. background in drawing. Yeah. yeah. So, but, you know, I was extremely fast to a lot of other things. So maybe I was tracking like yeah. four, four times uh, uh, you know the 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 uh, the amount of time that it needed to do a very rough early blocking, yeah. but the more I was progressing, by the end of polishing and troubleshooting and technical and, and all that, I was just like speed running the entire way. Mm. So, so just to frame this question as you know, some amazing senior animator might be, you know, very uh, slow. At, yep. at, at posing their animation so it, it, it's not a matter it's the entire journey that matters from the moment that you get your mm -hmm. kickoff to when your shot yeah. is being approved um <clears throat> that, that uh, does matter so let, let's maybe reframe a little bit the uh the the question of what are the expectation of a junior animator 
uh, in general on a on a team. Uh, I'm throwing you back the, the the ball by modifying a little bit this uh, okay this question. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it depends a lot on the industry and also depends on the team. You know, like at the end of the day. Yeah, I know some teams that are very production run and they tend to be a little bit more um, stringent on the expectations. And then there's other teams that are a lot more relaxed and organic and they build a team or, around um, with, with lots of different types of strengths. You got some that are really fast. They're able to like crank through the shots when you're kind of in a production hole and you need to try to get caught up. So those people are really great, but they probably, because usually it would be, you know, you'd have to be a unicorn to be very, very fast and also very, very good. So usually the faster ones are cutting corners, right? That's what probably makes them a bit faster. And then you have a bunch of other ones that are like, you know what? No one harps on them because the shots, they might not produce shots at the same speed, maybe even half the speed as the fastest person, but they are consistently nailing the really important shots. So, you know what I mean? Like, it, 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 a team is made, made up of lots of different people, hopefully lots of diverse backgrounds, perspectives, ages, genders, and even abilities. And that that's how you build it. And it's you build a good team of any type, like a sports team would be the same, right? You're trying to fill it in. So it's really hard to really put a, a, a very specific expectation on junior. Yeah. I think it really depends on yeah, I, I agree that usually weekly quota is, if we're talking for animated feature, for instance, it, yeah. it's more what's going to be the, the reference. And, you yeah. know, it always made me laugh when you say, well, you know, the av we're hoping the average to be five seconds and at the mm -hmm. end of the year evaluation, you came down at 4.28. 4. Yeah. So, you know, you should work a little bit on your speed. You're like, this yeah, is I, so yeah. random. This, totally. <laughs> that, it, totally. It's an average on the entire team. And yeah. some very good senior will have extremely complicated shots with 12 characters how That's how do you process that in your exactly. excel sheet exactly you, you cannot you can't and it's it, it's laughable because often it's like unfortunately production people are usually the ones putting these formulas together mm -hmm. and it never accounts for that like it's like uh is it is it is it number of seconds per character on screen because that might start making a bit more fair fair and like sense right but like yeah, yeah. like why, why should me why should why should i get you know stuck with a shot that's got literally a crowd in it and it's like a like a freaking 15 second shot and then meanwhile you get another person over the corner there who's got like you know like uh, this you know just only one person in the shot and they're just yeah. sitting on a bench you know like it's like you know this so is why for me this is why for me it never made sense i've heard i've never seen it myself but i've heard of some studio or in freelance that they were paying by by frame or by oh, second yeah. and i was like that that just cannot work in cg yeah. unless you have all the same character density mm -hmm. all the same yeah. complexity all the same Totally. Uh, 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 technical skills that are required yeah. for all shots, <laughs> unless they're all equal, which never yeah. happens. Yeah. Uh, th this system doesn't uh, I agree. make sense. It, what's interesting is motion capture is done like that. Um, when you pay a, a motion capture facility for the work, you're being paid by character seconds. And mm -hmm. that is makes a lot of sense because that's that's that is a much more direct relationship to the work, right? Work in, you're getting paid yeah. for work. Well, you know, done, right? Technically, you know exactly what you're getting in. You know what 100%. you need to provide. You know that you have one character. You know the yeah. style, which is realistic for everyone. You know that yeah. the data is consistent. Yeah. If it's clean, yeah. it's clean. Is it, yeah. If it's dirty on average, it should be yeah. on par. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. makes sense for that, not totally. for no. uh, keyframe animation. No, no, no. But I mean, what's interesting, though, is if if, if there was formulas that came, they, they were a bit more robust like this and kind of accounted for some of this. The other thing would happen is rather than animators paying the price for like, an, like a way overly ambitious storyboard artist who's designing these very complicated shots and assuming that the animation department is going to be able to do it. It's like, well, if there were actual like if you if, if you were able to able to scope out how much it was going to cost like this based on character seconds, then when you're approving the storyboards, they would already know how how much that movie is going to cost them to get done because mm -hmm. it can be like oh okay well how many characters in the shot how many how many seconds is in that shot you know what i mean and that way it wouldn't be like suddenly up to the animators to suddenly magically pull horseshoes out of their asses which yeah. is what usually ends up happening so yeah uh, i'd say if we come back closer to to the question in my experience what i've seen is even with weekly quota uh, mm -hmm. I don't remember that more junior animators necessarily had less to produce. No. But the shots that they exactly. had to produce were way simpler yes. and way less characters. So exactly. the, the, the expectation was the, 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 the same volume of work, but it, it was way simpler, much more digestible uh, mm -hmm. for yeah. le least experienced uh, animators. Wait. 
that's the way it's supposed to work. The leads that are the ones distributing the work is, are supposed to consider that. So yes, same quota expectation, but a much lower bar as far as what would be uh, part, what would be on your plate for the week, for instance. Mm -hmm. That's the way it's supposed to go. But yeah, you know. and I would say the general uh, expectation from uh, animators that have or any artist that has less experience that is either that has uh, either a mentor or a lead supervisor and, and mm -hmm. all that is. Mm -hmm. I would say it's just constant progression. As long as you slowly progress, you ask a question, you fix it. If you end up asking the same question 10 times, if you always paint yourself in the corner for the same reason, if you always make the, the, the same mistake, and if on top of that, you have a little bit of ego and you try to hide it a little bit, or, or th this is when you know some lead or mentor might surrender at some point mm. to just say, okay, we're just going to grind through this production and, totally. and whatever, and you're not going to have the best, uh, uh, you know, support that, that that you can have. So you don't need to be amazing. You don't need to be super fast. You don't need to solve all problem, but just show slow but constant progress yep. as you're totally. moving forward to the rest. Totally, of the totally. Yeah, there's gonna be people are gonna you know you're a junior, so there's gonna be forgiveness there. No one's expecting you to be like an all star right away. All you yeah. can do is someone someone had said in in uh, chat there uh, that when I was a junior, um, I remember focusing a lot on understanding the workflows of the company and asking a lot of questions, even basic things, showing interest and in checking what other animators are doing. So there's other things that yeah. you can do peripheral to just to just doing your work. It's also oh. being involved and helping other people and yeah. All that just just yep. be a, a sponge, uh, yeah. uh, and e e even if you you know <laughs> if you know something, it's a great point. Ask anyway. Don't yeah. fear to oh, if I ask, I'm going to look like no. I don't know what I'm doing or an mm -hmm. idiot. No, you're just going to look like someone that is interested yep. and is open-minded, which is yep. exactly what the rest of the team is going to expect from new talented uh, uh, newcomers that are coming totally. on the uh, uh, on the team. Totally, totally, totally. Um, let's uh, move on to the next question, if everyone's okay with that. Um, we, have we have one in the, one chat, in the chat, right? Yeah, that yeah, was from from uh, Scott himself. Let's bring it up. Uh, what are some of the do's and don'ts when transitioning from film and television into game animation for the first time? <laughs> Ooh, that, that, that's one for you, Brent. Yeah, definitely, I guess. <laughs> one, one tasty one for me. Well, I mean, first and foremost... Um, well, the, the, well, maybe maybe we could start with what's the difference between yeah, uh, that's what uh, film, film and television, right? That's exactly what I was going to do. I was going to start by just discuss, discussing the differences. So the, the the first and foremost thing I would say is is that you need to understand that they are very different. You're animating in both cases. It's just that the motivation um, behind the choices that you make as an animator are going to be very different um, because I mean there are there's a lot of overlap for sure. Um, and the skills you learn as an animator are all applicable, but it's like you got to look through the animation, uh, look at the animation through a very different lens. Because, like I always say, you have to think like a designer. You need to you need to actively be thinking about playing that animation, not just watching it. Because if it's too slow or like, I mean, it, you you always have to ask yourself, what's the what is the utility of this animation? It's attached to a feature that's supposed to maybe do something, right? Like the classic example that I love to bring up, and everyone likes to chuckle. Anybody who's been in the animation industry and games for a while. I always bring up the classic anticipations before a jump because it is sacrilege. If you're learning how to animate, you're going to animation school and you're, you're learning all the things and it's like, you got to have that anticipation for the jump. It doesn't make any sense if you don't. And then first day on the job, you put an anticipation in the jump um, in a video game animation and you're like laughed out of the room. They're like, <laughs> you put an, an animation an anticipation for the jump. What are you, an idiot? It's like, uh, but I was told to, and it's what happened there was you forgot to remember the context, right? And all you got to do is play the game after you put the game in, that animation into the game and then, um, you know, after a couple of times throwing the controller down in a mad fit of anger because you keep falling off of a ledge instead of actually making the jump in this platform again, you're making and then it also clicks. You're like, oh, mm -hmm. you got to find a way of breaking some rules here in order to make the game but, playable. But, so, but Brent, New Newton laws of physics. Yes, I know. I know they, they are very important, but apparently not to a gamer's brain when they're trying to avoid the friggin the sea monster in the pit that's you know between the two two platforms you're jumping across that at that point they could give zero craps about the freaking gravity so <laughs> and you know there are tricks too like i mean i think that the key is to embrace this you have to understand that there's a sort of this 
this there's a lot of tricks and because a video game animation is not a new thing so the pros out there you know they are um they know how to navigate this and how to still make it feel good um and not have player players be like wow the animation seems really garbage in this game it's like no it's like there's a you know you got to know to where to pick the battles and where to cut the corners otherwise um you are trying too hard to make pretty pictures on the screen when that's not the only part of the job so to come back to the ant the, the question that you asked that would be probably the best way of summing it up is that you do not treat it as the same thing because they are absolutely 100 mm -hmm. different so you mentioned one specific example of you know don't necessarily put anticipation if it doesn't make sense with the moment of uh, 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 of gameplay there do you have other example like this one that you've oh, yeah. seen like sure. classic example of oh yeah, yeah sorry we, we forgot to brief you before this gig yeah so like wait other other like gameplay moments or features that like people okay so a classic one is just swinging a sword or a punch right you got a big heavy sword now here's the thing this is going to sound like i'm contradicting myself maybe a little bit but it's it all it's all about reading the room and understanding what game you're working on if you're working on a capcom game for instance and i say capcom because it's a classic go-to example when i think of very twitchy gameplay you know it's capcom is very famous for giving a little less you know a little, much much fewer shits about about the animation quality and much more of an emphasis on reactivity and 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 player um sort of uh you know, control and, um, and, uh, what's the word they, they usually use, um, uh, agency. The, um, the idea is a game like this, you cannot have the, again, it usually comes down to anticipations. You cannot have this huge pre-swing because by the time you actually swing through, the enemy's long gone they're not even where they were just mm -hmm. like second like microseconds ago this is even more important with multiplayer games because if you don't have twitchiness to the multiplayer games it's like it's going to be very difficult now that being said some games have embraced this so you take a look at something like um you know um um uh, uh let's say a game like um for honor okay which is a competitive game by ubisoft it's melee based uh, monster hunter is a very good example of course dark souls is also a good example those are those are not uh, multiplayer but those uh, games are what are, you, what are you gonna say i was gonna say well, what's this uh uh, game that is super frustrating, frustrating and difficult. Dark Souls, yes, <laughs> Dark Souls would be the one. Yeah, I mean, and it's it is punishing. It is in in Monster Hunter is similar. Like if you choose to specialize in heavy weapons, that is the risk. But the reward, of course, is that when you land a friggin' hit, it feels very, very good. So if you get into game spaces like this, you need to know as an animator, what kind of game am I making? Am I getting making a game where that's something that the game designers are pushing for? And I can really lean in on the animation and really kind of have fun with the weight of the weapon because it's actually a desirable um, effect in that feature? Or are you working on a Capcom game and you're going to get kicked in the head because you're making the game impossible to play and, and annoying? Like you got to know what kind of game you're making so you got to be familiar with different genres of games and know what is the right antidote for the the thing that you're working on so many times the 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 choice of animation has less to do with the personality of the character in physics but more about gameplay itself so okay we're going to put this big yeah. and long anticipation only because we want you to pay the price because yeah. this is such a big hit yeah that the price yes. to pay is the those two seconds uh, of idol yeah. that you're vulnerable for yes. a an, an exactly during this well time. because you have a choice in a game like Dark Souls or Monster Hunter is an even better example. You have the choice of you know, using heavy weapons or really really fast weapons, and the fast weapons don't have that problem. But there you can you can like it's it's all about de like it's it's about you know rhythm and speed of of impacts. You're guaranteed to make hits, but it's like a little mosquito trying to mosquito someone to death. It takes longer to actually you know take down one of these big monsters. So it's mm. about you know player choice, and it it, it all comes down to making sure that there's contrast between those choices so it feels like there's a meaningful choice to go with that weapon versus the other one because no one likes playing a game where it's like it doesn't matter what weapon you pick up they're just different skin versions of the same kind of mechanic i mean yeah. some people play games like that but i think people play monster hunter because of, it's not like that you know uh, i don't want to get too uh technical too and i don't know how yeah. much rid of us uh, mm -hmm. nowadays but did uh, compression of animation ever influenced uh, how you would approach gameplay animation? Well, I'm old enough that to, to say yes to that answer uh, or to that question, sadly, but um, I feel like it is becoming less and less of a thing. Although 
compression there's what's happening is like obviously memory like but the memory footprint that the animation systems that get like all the animations when you're playing a game have to be loaded into memory right and program very smart people engineers are finding clever ways of streaming that data in but animations are a little trickier to stream in unlike levels um, levels, big open world games have, they literally stream like levels because there's, there's no walls to, to occlude your vision. You can't like just go through like the old school, like gears of war when you're like those moments between levels and you're doing this and walking really slow, you have full control, but you can't do anything other than listen. And you're walking towards a door. That's obviously the next level loading where open world games don't have that luxury. So you have to be a bit more clever animation is a little harder. It's usually got to be already loaded for the most part. There are tricks around this. But so compression is still a thing, but the compressions are so good now that they're very lossless. So yeah. you can get away with a lot more. Now that that being said, there are still issues that pop up from time to time, but I don't think it's much. It's not as it doesn't come up in conversation nearly as much as it used to. Okay, that's from my perspective at least. So yeah, it's 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 a it's a good question. Um, but uh, it's it's all I, I would I would encourage anyone who's interested in video game animation is to learn more about video game animation. Don't assume that just because you're you want to be an animator and you like video games that you have it all figured out because you don't. I guarantee yeah. you, you do not have it all figured out. It's funny uh, because yeah. it, it's also part of one of the main motivation that we had back in the days that when we started the uh, I animate game program yeah. is that we we had some you know legit amazing strong senior animator that had mainly VFX and animated feature experience, they would go in video game gameplay and they would be just completely lost. And because it's almost like it's a, there are some skills that apply, but you have to learn a, a completely new um, set set of skills. So yeah, there's definitely a transition to. to oh yeah. Oh yeah. I got one from uh, Miss Plant. Let me put that one up. Uh, when you're working on a personal shot that's not for a job with a deadline, how do you decide when it's done and not get stuck on another sh uh, on the shot since no one else is there to say, <laughs> okay, it's done, stop, put it down? This is not speaking from experience by any chance. No, 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 no. I'm no, sure no. this has nothing to do with whatever yeah. she went through in the yeah. last few weeks. She's actually literally animating her own personal shot right now. Well, freaking <laughs> this video, I think, I'm pretty sure. That's funny. Uh... Strike is done. Stop. It's done. Okay. I'm, exactly. here. I'm here to tell you. All right. I'm doing you a favor. Just kidding. It's a good question. I guess when you're just tired of being <laughs> working on it, because yeah. you know, a, a shot is never is never done. It, 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 there's always a little something that you but at some point you have this this feeling that I feel that okay, when your return on time investment, you start to realize yourself that okay, I've actually been polishing this for three days and there's literally probably no one else other than me that is going to see those tiny little difference. Mm -hmm. Those three days would have been better spent to start a new blocking and work on a completely different shot that is maybe super original that would be a much better piece in your showreel. Mm -hmm. So you need to, I don't know, it, it, I think just, just intuitively, at some point, maybe you uh, you can ask people around to have some uh, uh, advice, but yeah, and I would say just this question, I would say it's better to ask yourself this question than I've seen many animators when they were working on their own shot, they, they had the the inverse problem that they would not push themselves enough yeah. and they would say, dude, come on, mm -hmm. just finish the shot, polish it properly. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming now you're in this other situation of oh, maybe over-polishing. Mm -hmm. At some point, you have this old feeling that, okay, I'm either running in circle or making adjustment that might not matter that much. or And, you know, if it can help, just tell yourself, okay, I'm going to come back on it. Yeah. I'm just going to put it on the shelf and start exactly. something else. Yes. If you don't go back to it, 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 it's totally fine. You probably won't. <laughs> but just to liberate yourself from the guilt of letting it go, mm -hmm. just tell yourself that you'll come back to it eventually and start mm -hmm. something else. Yeah, because if you if you have a craving to go back to it, that's probably a good sign, right? And um, you also will come back with fresh perspective and therefore probably having a little bit of an easier time. Like, hey, actually, it looks pretty good. I'm just going to say it's done as opposed to maybe, oh, actually, uh, I don't know how I didn't see that. And then you work on it, right? But like, yeah, I agree. I think it's always important to have a couple things going because you can rotate them if you mm. need to, if you start getting a little bit uh, stagnant on a particular shot. Yep. Um, I wanted to go back really quickly because Scott had a little quick follow-up here to the, that question about game stuff. I think it was you and Liko who, who talked about God of War and how well they play, how well the play 
uh, worked because you can feel it. Any other examples? Um, I mean, I could go on for hours about this. And I, what's interesting about this, and this goes back to the idea of understanding games as a medium in itself, there's a lot of psychology in games. There's a big difference between being a passive audience member watching animations on screen and being entertained by these lives of these characters that people have brought life to. That's a, that's, that is an experience in itself. It is an altogether different experience when you as a player are trying to like vicariously drive this avatar of yours on screen and you're trying to avoid taking damage and you're trying to do all these things. And there's a lot of this sort of like expectation of impulse that, you know, needs to be satisfied by something happening on screen. So you want to always understand that psychology, understand those impulses and try to minimize the friction there when when necessary or maybe maximize it if you're working on a game like you know dark souls where you're trying to like play up that a little bit that fresh like not the bad kind of frustration but the sort of almost like the sphincter tightening tension of like oh my god am i gonna uh, you know like am i gonna die or am i gonna actually land this blow so this is you gotta your your best bet is to start embracing it understand it there's a bunch of good books out there on this uh so rather than giving a bunch of examples i would give you an example of what to read there's a really good book i always bring up called game feel um all my books are in a different room now so i can't go and just grab it like i used to <laughs> but it's you just call game feel i would recommend starting there because it's a really good book on exactly this topic and it will give you a bit of a exposure and i think it's it should be mandatory reading for all animators because hit hit holds in god, god of war i think is what richard leek and i were talking about this was a new thing that animators had come up well animators like game developers in general who came up with this and it's the idea of trying to simulate impact when 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 you swing through and you try to hit something um that uh, it, it it sort of psychologically just works to make it feel a bit more tactile so just start just start soaking it up start like learning that as a peripheral thing as opposed to just focusing only on animation uh i got another we have ender i'm yeah let's do that i'm going down and up as far as you guys know, is the animation industry or does the animation industry have competitive salary for entry level animators versus traditional jobs? I mean, by traditional jobs like accountants, marketing, um, job office job. <laughs> oh, sorry. Did I fall asleep? <laughs> yes. You mean boring jobs? I, I think that. Uh, it's, it, yeah. It, it, it's funny because I'm, I'm not that aware of what is the salary scale of accountant marketing and other <laughs> other of yeah, those jobs uh so i don't know what they would con consider competitive mm. uh you know every country every studio every industry it, it's always different but it, it you can mm. almost divide it as you know as a genius as a junior you will make like one third as a mid two third mm. and as a top senior senior to two third. So mm. to take simple number, uh, you know, around maybe 35,000 a year and let's say Montreal market, uh, 35,000 a year when you start in the industry, mm. then go up to 70 a year as you're a mid level and towards a hundred thousand a year when you get to a top senior yeah. level for getting to lead. So I would say it's pretty even like this one third, two third, yeah. three third, and then you go more on the supervising uh, upper scale after that. I would agree with David, but that being said, animation like any other market is a market. And so therefore, if you live in a city that's particularly busy, there will be some companies that will start throwing more money around. There was one that mm -hmm. ha that happened a little while ago here in Montreal and it threw everything off because everyone just started leaving all the companies to go mm -hmm. to this one company. It didn't work out super well for them at the beginning because they had a hard time. They did eventually put out a really good title um, that um, kind of redeemed the company in a big way. But they were they kind of entered the market right away with pretty big salaries, even for juniors, because at the end of the day, they need to fill seats and they want a well-balanced team. They don't want just a bunch of seniors sitting around. So mm. you can get lucky sometimes if you're not, if you're living in a hot spot. And um, because right now it's crazy. I used to I keep saying it Montreal is crazy, but it just keeps getting crazier. I mean, uh, Gearbox just opened up a Montreal studio uh, along with uh, Tencent also opened up a Montreal studio. Like it's like every has a studio here in Montreal now it is literally on fire so if you are really seriously considering getting a job in animation you should seriously consider trying to um, get your ass over here to Montreal if you can at least interview around see if you can I know it's a little harder when you're junior because maybe someone just want to try to you know pay lawyers to try to get you across the border and it's a little trickier because of the pandemic but we still live in that zone where there's a lot of these studios that are willing to have you come on board, maybe even at least as a contractual employee, um, temporarily uh, from remote from home. And all you need is a first uh, that first job to have some, some street cred. The next job becomes infinitely easier to get. So take a look at the yep. Montreal area because they are on fire right now. Yep. Um, Moving up. 
look scrolling. We have, oh, oh, wait, I don't want to. We have wanna, uh, Iona. Yeah, Iona for sure. Oh. All right, Iona. When I'm applying for a job, I'm always confused by about how to identify myself as a junior or a senior. Is there a way to identify it? Okay. Uh, it's <clears throat> again, uh, every recruiter is every, it's going to be slightly different. Yeah. Uh, I myself tend to judge more on the <clears throat> quality of work than the number of years of experience although most recruiters will look at the number of years yeah. of experience uh it, it's it's difficult to describe uh what a showreel of a junior compared to a mid compared to a senior i mean from promising to amazing <laughs> that will be the the, the scale but you know, a junior by and large, definitely the first three years of your uh, of your career, you're you're a junior. Yeah. You would become a mid, usually anywhere between the third and fifth year uh, of your career, mm -hmm. and probably remain a mid level until maybe seventh, mm -hmm. eighth year. And as you're getting closer to the tenth uh, tenth year of your career, might go to a senior. Mm -hmm. uh, this being said, there's some showreel. I'm seeing from animators that have 18 years of experience that I would not touch with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> and there's other showreel from quote-unquote junior with two years of experience that yep. I'm like, I, I yep. want them on our team. Yeah, yeah. So don't... I think the, 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 the thing to get from this is if you have four years of experience, don't call yourself a senior. It's yeah. you, No matter your... Even if you're amazing mm -hmm. skill... Keep it in the junior mid level, and yeah. you know, undersell yourself, and let the recruiters totally say agree. like, "Holy shit, he's amazing for a yeah. junior or a mid level." So, kind of undersell a little bit the seniority <laughs> level uh, if you can. Yeah. I think that it doing a little bit of homework on the company too always helps. If you know somebody who works there, it might be a good idea to try to get an idea of like, oh, okay, so you know, what level is are these people? Because you can maybe see their reels online to try to gauge for yourself. I agree with David. Um, it is a bit of a freaking gong show when it comes to the actual. There's no, you know, there's no lexicon, like a universal lexicon that anyone uses. Uh, even at a singular company, it's all over the place, depend between departments and even teams. So trust me, it sucks really bad if you're working for a company as a director and then you inherit a bunch of like senior animators that are like three years in the industry just because they did a really good job on the last project they wanted to give them like a solid uh you know boost it's like well but okay but my expectations of seniors completely different and so it can be a complicated thing for everybody not just you one thing i do agree that putting an emphasis on quality but i would also say autonomy is another key factor there i think that the uh, i'm a little less worried about junior and and, and and intermediate like david is it's senior you need to be a little bit more careful as for as far as i'm concerned if you're considering yourself a senior you need to feel very confident that a director or your lead could be like look i have a I have um, a, a, a very important scene, or if you're working in the video game industry, it's like a feature. I need you to like take this and own it. I need I need to not worry about it. I need to know that you can take yeah. this and only come back to me if there's a really big problem where I, you need to be me, you need me to unblock the road a little bit. But otherwise, I'm expecting not to see you until it's done. That yeah. if you feel confident that you're able to do that and you have that, and if you don't know, then you're probably not ready. Yeah. So, and this is why it's tricky because th that's exactly the expectation. You can get great work out of junior, but you're going to have to invest a lot of yeah. time. You won't have to invest that much time in mid-level and seniors, you just want them to run and, you know, be Take autonomous, ideally it. help you to, to, uh, to yeah. with the uh, mentoring of the, yeah. uh, so this is why no matter, you know, the, 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 the salary or the title of someone on a team, even if they're called a senior, if you have to micromanage them to be able mm -hmm. to get to the expected result, senior is just a title. It means that in your yeah. mind, they don't qualify to a senior because a senior is supposed to be autonomous and not yeah. constantly need to be taken by the hand. Yeah. And I'd say that the threshold between junior and senior, I mean, junior and intermediate, it's safe to say that if you're doing decent work and you've been getting a lot of good you know, feedback on your work and you've been in the industry for about three to four years, it's at that point you can start considering yourself maybe, you know, advertising yourself as an intermediate, I find. Um, mm -hmm. Only a couple years of, of, of industry experience is a little premature. I've seen people only after one year get promoted on the job, but that's fine. The job did that. And they hopefully give you a, give that person a pat on the back uh, because they are, because some, some, you know, they don't build all juniors the same way. Some juniors are just like, yeah. they are reaching for the freaking sky. They're, they're, they're a rocket ship. So, but not everyone's built like that. So just be careful uh, on how you advertise yourself. 
I got to say, I personally really dislike this classification of title in a company. The only place yeah. where I worked that didn't have mm. any of those titles was actually at DreamWorks. Mm. You were a character animator. Yeah. End of the day. Smart. You were yeah. out of school, 20 years of experience. You yeah. are a character animator. Yeah. And you're going to receive uh, shots <clears throat> that reflect the quality of your yeah. past few shots. That's it. Yeah. There's yeah. no, there's you specifically, else. not your title, but your yeah. lead or and or director knows you and they are yeah. collaborating with you and they know what kind of shots to give you, which is a lot different than just, oh, I'm going to make a bunch of assumptions based on your title. That's probably a very dangerous way to go. We all know how some how assuming works, right? Okay, so um, Petar has a question. Hello, Petar. Ooh. I'm surprised it wasn't an update on my eye. Is it wise to include it is getting better by the way uh to include enemy boss animations in our demo reel and enemy ai movement in an engine because when starting out we're unlikely to animate the main character in a game and more so enemy grunts and side characters hmm uh, my quick take is don't put in your show reel what you know a potential uh, studio that will, will hire you will want you to do on the job just put your best foot forward and mm. you know if you're like you know what i have this amazing idea for this bus, bus fight or whatever uh you know reviewing showreel they're reviewing so many showreel mm. uh, ideally you want your showreel to be memorable which means that they yeah. will remember it whatever it needs then yeah maybe you're going to start with background and you know npc work but <laughs> don't that that shouldn't affect uh, mm -hmm. what you want to include in your own showreel, in my opinion. Um, so my thought on this is is pretty straightforward. I would say that you. So here's the problem: to get if you're going to be doing this on your own, like it's it's difficult. Like how do you how do you demonstrate? Like I'm making the assumption that you're going to show off um, because you're going to put it in the game. Because I think mean, that's always the best way of doing it. Because I'm often not so impressed by a bunch of animations of like NPCs that are just doing a bunch of things on a, on a reel. I kind of want to see it in action. And it's a much taller task to get you to understand how to also program the AI. So I know engineers that struggle with this. So I wouldn't expect an animator to be super good at this. So it's a little bit more inaccessible for you to really do that. And so I find the player character is a lot easier to access. So I would focus your energy there because if you can do the, the 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 player character stuff, then you can definitely do the other stuff. You just have to work alongside designers and engineers to make that happen. So I would be doing the thing, what David said, like play to your strengths. Don't worry about what the job will be in the end. Um, it's translatable, but make sure that you have a way of showcasing the work. Don't don't handicap yourself um, by, by doing like putting a bunch of technical barriers between you and be able to show off what you're able to do. Hmm. Um, got any more down here? Man, it's been active. Yeah. You guys are active. Would you miss us or something? What's going on? <laughs> Holy cow! We scared them with the uh, low, yeah. low <laughs> amount sorry. of backlog that we had. Yeah, like, holy shit, low. we have to make up. Yeah, yeah they, they, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna bitch and moan about it. Watch this. I got <laughs> questions for you coming out of my butthole. What are your thoughts on NFT? Oh, geez, do really? Okay, we can ask that. I, I, it's it's an interesting one. What are your thoughts on NFTs? This is a very hot topic. Um, a while ago, um, my my opinion has changed quite a bit on this particular issue. I'm curious to see what David has to say, though. Well, there was definitely a bubble at some point, mm -hmm. a bubble that deflated and then that got reinflated in the yeah. last uh, uh, few months. And yeah. it, it, it seems to be going with the value of cryptocurrency in, it uh, does. Uh, in, in general. Yeah. Um, let, let's assume that most of the audience tonight is aware of what an NFT is. Mm -hmm. I'm both <laughs> uh, fascinated and skeptical uh, uh, about it. Mm -hmm. um, it you know i do recognize that we provide value to physical object like mm -hmm. why is the mona lisa worth like 30 million or something it is yeah. just you know a canvas with paint color so, on it yeah yeah so we, we can provide value to anything and, and if there's a way to create the same rarity with digital mm -hmm. assets because there's a way to identify no 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 this this bunch of one and zeros, we can identify that this is the uh, the uh, uh, original one or part of the uh, original mm -hmm. series. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's so early that yeah. at this point, I can see it both going nowhere. <laughs> and 10 years from now, it will be obvious for everyone that most of the money <laughs> that went from, you know, art in general or now shifting to uh, NFT. I'm 
it, for me, it's the, the spectrum is this uh, yeah. large. Um, yeah. So, so for just for those who might not know, NFT stands for non fungible tokens, and it is not the same thing as cryptocurrency, but they are connected. They're connected um, greatly by the fact that that same technology backs both of these things up, and it's called blockchain. Blockchain is this very interesting sort of like uh, distributed way of 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 uh, storing data. Um, it, um, it almost kind of reminds me a little bit of like BitTorrents, you know, like how BitTorrents are kind of like people own little pieces and they can share little pieces at the same time and it maximizes download speeds. This is not about maximizing down, download speed. It's about uh, decentralizing um, for the sake of securing so that it, not one single place or server has access to all the data. In other words, when you have money in a bank, how much money is in the bank is stored on your bank server. And if something happens to that server, then what happens? That's it. Money. No more, no more no, money. No more money. <laughs> So meanwhile, uh, blockchain, it, it promises to secure that in a way by never, ever having it all in one place. It's sort of like, you know, um, what you're supposed to do with your data, right? Like you're, you know, when you're backing up your data, never have it only on your one hard drive, try to have it on at least three and hopefully in more than one location if you really want to be super hardcore about it. Um, so basically... They are different, but they are similar and connected. Cryptocurrency, of course, is what started using, uh, or sorry, crypto art is what people started calling art that was attached to these NFTs. Um, my big, I so I, right off the bat, I'm going to try to make this really brief. My opinion is still that I'm hopeful because I really love the fantasy. And I say fantasy, not in some sort of like sarcastic way, because it's fantasy because it's like David said, it's a little early and it's a little bit still too unproven to be, to show us the longevity of, of this as a solution in any way. But I love the idea. I'm very attracted to the idea that there are artists out there, out there lots of them that are hardworking that put their stuff out there and people have they if they if there's people out there that have that see value in the work that they're being that they're producing who cares that it's digital what's the difference at the end of the day we're able to see it it was work being done it's unique therefore it has value and if someone wants to pay money for that then great because that means the person who created that art gets paid and uh, that means we might have more people out there that are good for afford to live live a life of, of just an artist as opposed to being a bit more of a commercial artist meaning they are always told what they have to create as opposed to they're just going to make what they want. And like, that's how Leonardo da Vinci worked. Well, that's not true because he would be commissioned to do a lot of work, but I think you get what I'm saying. A lot of classical artists just made art and people um, saw value sadly well after they died. But that being said, um, my concern is twofold. One they, I do not like the, um, the, um, and I, this was not, I was not, I wasn't aware of this until I started schooling myself on this. Um, but I don't like the, the, uh, environmental impacts. If you read up on this, you'll see that there is a lot of it. There's a lot of energy that goes into the, the, the bitcoins and that's where they're connected, right? To be yeah. able to make a fun, I, I, one of these tokens, you need to, you need to buy these, these coins. So there's that. And then the last thing I'll just say really quick is the, um, I don't like the fact that I there's I don't see there being a real guarantee in policing some fraud that could actually very easily happen on the market. I don't like that either. So yeah. Those are my two points. Yeah, I think the on the energy front, that's why there is a lot of hope with the new version of uh, Ethereum yes. that is supposed to yes. take like ninety eight percent less uh, uh, energy. Well, think about uh, that. That's crazy. Uh, I, I I have no idea. I can only imagine that you know the. The calculation will be done in a way that it's almost like okay, you have to calculate a little bit, and then you wait, yeah. and then you can. So somehow it's going to be the same process, yeah. but it's going to be late because right now it's ridiculous. There are some countries yeah, yeah, that yeah. literally like twenty percent of the energy consumption oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. is for mining. Which is warehouses of, of graphics cards and computers just sitting there churning away. Because for those who don't know, it's kind of weird when you say it out loud, but like these bitcoins, like the way the whole system works is coins can like this, this money, this currency that funds all of this stuff, including the NFTs. It is it, it's created. It's like it's printed, but it's printed by having these computers and these GPUs crunching these in crazy impossible problems and, you know, and just working away, just grinding. And then, you know, so if you have an aircraft carrier full of these freaking uh, processors, you would be a millionaire pretty quick because you would able, you'd just be able to like it's the, just the, the law of numbers if you have enough of these things yeah. churning away. So it's yeah, kind of uh, weird if you think about it. 
Yeah, there are so many things. Uh, I'm super in interested to see where the smart contract that are attached to those NFT is going to to go because that's another interesting that you know you buy an NFT and it's not just this piece of digital art, but it gives you access to this yeah. thing and it gives yes. you this and this. Yes. And if you resell it, then you still have it. So basically, there's all this mm. system that is coded uh, totally. in there. So if you are yeah. among the first one to buy the first ten thousand copy of a new artist that is insanely big 10 years from yep. now you can yep. be part of those that contribute totally. financially to their beginnings exactly. and then you're still going to have revenues <laughs> like yep. you know um, a music company used to uh, do back so there's a lot of very very appealing and interesting Absolutely. ideas but they have to fix Unproven. this insane energy consumption yep. uh, yep. i agree with that yep. uh and on the because you know there's Again, if you take that much energy and all of your energy is coming from, you know, coral, yeah, uh, a coal, exactly. uh, you can just imagine the amount of CO2 that yes. NFT is putting. Yes. In the, uh, and a lot of countries that are doing this kind of work, that's exactly where that a lot of that's happening. Like where there's 20% of the energy in that country going to this are no. often countries that are relying on things like dirty fuel. And so it's just, it's a mess. It's a friggin' mess right now. Yeah. But like going, going back to this idea of like security too, like the idea the so like my, my original assumption was that if you were to buy an NFT, okay, if you were to buy one crypto, like crypto art, um, someone made something you really like, you think it's going to be a hot item, you spend some money on it, maybe it was already really hot, you spent thousands of dollars on it, thinking it was going to keep going up. The mm -hmm. problem I have is that theoretically, because I have Beeple is one of the sort of authorities on this, because he was one of the people that cracked the code. And he's the one that kind of became famous because he sold like millions of dollars worth of stuff, even at Christie's, the, the big auction house in uh, the States. But what happened was, uh, he was on, on on a video being interviewed about just questions like this, like what uh, what about this and what about that? And he he was saying, which is already a bit of a problem because he's not some authority in the matter. He was saying, no, 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 no. If you buy an NFT, you don't now have the rights to that art. You're just buying a copy of it. But then I'm mm -hmm. like, well, but then what's the point? If you're not like, it's not like the, like going back to the, you can't make a comparison of the Mona Lisa. You could go buy the Mona Lisa and it's now in your possession and now you will only have the one. Now, that's not to say that people shouldn't be able to make multiple prints and copies and, and they do. They make series and that's fine. They're numbered and they're they're limited. But what's stopping that artist from having series number two? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, that's where I think that without any real rules, it's sort of like anyone who's ever, anyone who's ever played or, or especially collected Collected Magic the Gathering cards knows what I'm talking about. The value of a lot of these cards just diminish because they they suddenly make a card not even playable in tournaments. And it's like, oh, I just spent like $100 on this card. And now because the manufacturer decided to make another run or change the rules, now this card is no longer worth that money. It's like it's outside of your control, which I have a bit of an issue with, I think. Mm -hmm. So. I don't know. It's complicated. Yeah. That's for sure. Just something to watch. I'm curious to see. I'm gonna have my popcorn. I don't think I'm gonna invest any real money in it, but I am gonna sit back and 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 watch and, yep. and enjoy. <laughs> wow. That All was right. A topic. That was a good one. I haven't talked about NFTs in a long time. Thanks, Peter. Um, what else do we got? Another question. Oh, we got oh a bunch of them. Holy cow. Oh, there we go. Veronica asked the yes. question. The question. I missed it. Where is it? Down, 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 down. Oh yeah, question. How, oh yeah, there it is. It, you, you guys want to see it? It's it's um, it is still red and it's still swollen, but it doesn't look like an arm growing out of my eyeball anymore, which is a, a step in the right direction. It is. Uh, I, it's my own fault. It'd probably be cleared up by now, but I'm supposed to put a hot compress on it like five times a day because you know I got time for that apparently, um, and I don't. I usually do it only about two times a day, so that's probably I, it's my own fault. So you sleep in the bed you make, right? <laughs> Um, uh, actually, just a little bit uh, lower, we have one from uh, from Scott that we that we missed. Yes, I see it. it's up here. This one here. Yep. In today's situation, what would a mid level need for a Montreal studio to give them a visa? Uh, that's that's interesting because I would probably have answered that question much differently two years ago. Mm. Um. Because, you know, visa, not to say that studio are not going to pay anymore to get people to flying and relocate and, and, you know, do all the, pay all the lawyer fees to, uh, to, to, uh, to get a working visa. But with remote work, uh, a lot of them are going to just consider, we're going to hire you, but stay where, where you are. Mm -hmm. You're going to be part of our team that is in those time zones. 
So mm -hmm. we will not do all the procedure uh, and investment to have you come uh, come here. Yeah. Uh, this being said, um, what would a mid-level need for Montreal Studio to give them a uh, a visa? Um, well, there, there's many, there's many things. Uh, getting someone from abroad, it, it's different for every country. I know that in Canada, it's fairly easy to get American working visa. Mm. Uh, here in Quebec, it's also fairly easy to have other francophone uh, countries like France to to get people because you know, in terms of working visa and immigration, there's they're trying to uh, they are mindful about the uh, French speaking uh, culture. I would say uh, the UK, because of the Commonwealth, is probably not that difficult. But the, but then the list uh, uh, goes on and it gets more and more difficult on, depending on which country you, uh, you are from. Um, so, you know, what you personally need to do for a studio to uh, do the efforts and the investment to get you, well, I mean, you need to be good you need to have a killer showreel you need to have good reference you need to you need all the things that any studio will make efforts to to uh, to to get you the only difference is that i'm assuming in the next few years there'll be less investment by studio to get people on site as it was almost like 10 years ago it was a necessity Five years ago, studios started to think about uh, a more freelancing or remote employment. And now it's going to become the norm that at the very least, they're going to ask themselves, do we really need them? We want to hire them, but we, do we really need them to work on site? Because if they're working in remote, we don't need to do all of this paperwork and all of this time investment and spending for a work visa. Yeah, it's it's the the the, the rules the, the landscape has changed so much that I don't even know right now to be honest. I think that um the incentive used to be much higher to try to get people over because it was the only way, but now with some companies switching over to this idea of just working remotely, it's mm -hmm. like the, I find that that kind of screws things up a little bit and people are maybe less less willing to spend the money because they're just like, well, or we could just have you work from home. Some like I mean, it seems like most studios are adapting uh, adopting this idea that they want to work with people full time that are for sure allowed to work from home, but they need to be at least available, preferably at least once a week to come in. I think that seems to be the comfort zone that, that most of the studios, at least in this area, seem to be landing on uh, from what I heard. And um, and who knows? Some companies still seem to be resisting this idea and think that they're just going to go right back to the way it always was and just go back to. But but there's still some restrictions in place for them to be able to do that. Um, there's also the concept of of of, of uh, COVID um, vaccine passports. Depending on where you live, this is something that Quebec has has implemented and is um, is serious about making sure that people comply with it. Um, so a lot of studios are like, yeah, you can come to the studio for sure. Uh, we want you to be able to come to the studio, but you kind of you need to have to be double vaccinated. Otherwise, you're not allowed in the, in the building. Mm -hmm. So it is another sort of factor that plays into all this. So it's really hard to know. I think it's gonna it'll take time to play itself out to really get an idea. But mid-level is usually not something that I would for sure think that you would get a, a, like a, a visa for anyways. Usually you need to be senior level for them to be willing to spend the time and energy to get you across the border. Most companies. Mid-level, yep. not so much. Good luck. Yep. Um, we got, it's five minutes left. Do you want to try to couple, squeeze a couple more in here? Sure, let's squeeze a couple more. Right. Uh, a, a quick question from Scott uh, yeah, yeah. about the Matrix trailer. Is that the one that you're bringing? Yeah, this is really easy and quick for me because I haven't watched it yet. Oh, same for me. Any oh, movie? so easy. Any movie that I know I'm going to watch, I do not watch any teaser uh, or smart. any trailer. That's smart. that's it. And the one that was very tough, but I'm still been able to, is the new uh, Dune from uh, Denis Villeneuve. I, I could not watch it. I've seen nothing. You so are... I you're lucky i don't know how you managed because i just i'm too excited by that movie i just I, I haven't been that excited about a movie in a really really long time yep oh, he, i mean the guy he, not just because he's from quebec but he nope. never made a bad movie nope he just never nope. made a bad movie nope and he's incapable of making a bad movie in my opinion yeah, yeah. Denis Villeneuve is is of course the director that david's referring to um and it's the uh the remake of um of um uh, Dune. Who, who is the original um, the author? It's um, 
I don't remember the author, Here's but the first name, movie was uh, done by uh, David Lynch in yes, 84, movie, yeah. I think, the first cin yep. cinematographical uh, yep. adaptation. Yeah, <laughs> the director. Which I remember for, uh, seeing as a child, and it confused and scared <laughs> me. <laughs> David Lynch. Right? I think he has a habit of scare scaring everybody with his movies because they're so out there. They're very uh, cerebral. I really like David Lynch. I think he's a great filmmaker, but he's definitely next level. You don't watch a movie for him. I watch a movie of his for light watching. It's like it is <laughs> gonna get inside your brain. That's for sure. I think the last yeah. time I tried to watch it was maybe 10, 15 years ago. I was super hangover. It was not a good oh. experience. I don't recommend no. it. Don't, that is a bad to watch. <laughs> not a good idea while hungover at all. Um, okay, right. let's Hang see. Up. What else we got? We got Ender, Ender Paris. Yeah. Um, hey, David and Brent, what are your techniques to evaluate if your personal shot is entertaining enough and worth to be in um, on your demo reel? Hmm. Yeah, it's... I agree that you, you are not the best judge of your own work, mm. but you should have a sense of it's if it's uh, uh, good enough. Um, I would say there's many tricks sometimes to, if you're looking too much at something, you don't see it anymore. This is why, you know, uh, leave the shot there. And when you come back in the morning, just flip it horizontally. So mm. you're going to see good from a, a brand new uh, perspective. Uh, I would say just don't, Look at your showreel for maybe one or two days. Just look at mm. dozens, if not hundreds, of other uh, showreel out there, and then look, look at yours. And maybe you'll be like, "Oh, it's actually pretty good," or mm, "Yeah, it's not bad, but those three pieces should not be there." Um, I, I would probably advise to have external opinion uh, as well. Mm. Uh, maybe not just your, you know, surrounding uh, friends, but professionals that you could rely that okay i i, I hope uh, i expect that they will give me honest feedback on yeah. my work so yeah just look mm -hmm. at it with a fresh eye by looking at other reference and ask for advice of people that should provide um yeah. I got a really good answer for you. Uh, we have a Discord channel uh, with a channel where you can put that work out there and have people just react to it right away. I think your peers are a very, very good way of getting a good litmus test on. You know, if you got a lot of people being like with some pretty big feedback, then maybe it's not ready. If you have people that are on the majority are like, man, this is good. And there's a bunch of people nitpicking it a little bit. Then that's probably a good sign that it's it's at least good enough to put on the demo reel. Um I mean, you you have be, be, you already have, you've established the first step, which is be part of a good community that's going to be willing to give you some feedback. You can also I hate to, I hate to be so so on the nose with this, but you can also go ahead and book a review with one of our experts and have them help you figure that out. I mean, that's what they're there for, right? It's not just to review a shot; it could be also your demo reel. That's what you want. You can you can have that time with you know spend it on whatever you want. Um, I know that David Gibson has done a bunch of demo reel reviews. You might want to check that out, and he's. Um, He's quite good at it. He just breaks it all down, tries to explain, you know, you know, kind of take inventory on all the things and maybe spend a little more time on this. Maybe you're missing a few of these things. Maybe it'd be a good idea. And this one here, I would just remove altogether. So that's another way to do it. All right. Let's let's go for a last one. I think that oh, we have another man. one from oh, Ender. Yeah, let's go yeah, in we overtime. Did. We always go overtime with one more. I know. Okay, we got. Do you guys think that it's a good idea to start the job search looking for remote animator jobs as your first job? Hmm. I would probably not recommend it. This being said, I mean, there's some, it's hard to tell because I know that there are some studios that are super well set up and you'll have yeah. the support that you need and they have good, yeah. good communication tools yeah. and, and all that. And who knows how long we're still going to be in this situation. Uh, even even here in Montreal, where things are not a disaster. I mean, studios are reopening, but it's yeah. literally like it's 20% of the staff. Yeah. You need to fill a form. You yeah. need to bring your own keyboard and, and mouse yeah. and all that. Yeah. All the coffee machine and commissary are closed. All you have down, yeah. one way hallway that you cannot cross people and yeah they, they make it extremely not interesting to go back to, to, <laughs> totally. to work. it's not what it used to be that's for sure yeah so uh <clears throat> so maybe your first job is going to be in remote no matter what so let, let's assume that we're talking about a world that people go back to the new normal which is after time on site after time from home and you can, yeah i would say in general, it might be a better idea to be uh, uh, on site because you will have more yeah. proximity yeah. with people that will be able to to help you. 
Yeah. I'm not saying it's a necessity, but it's probably better in most situations if if you're able to. I think it depends on you. I mean, I think that unless you are a very introverted person, and even if you are, I do agree with David's advice. I think you should try because the, when you're just first starting out, it's not just about doing the job. It's also about learning the culture and understanding and meeting people, networking people. And that's, that's one of the hardest things about the whole working from home thing. It is not the same. It is mm-hmm. not the same. You want to have, um, in, try, try, try to live in the, in the shoes of, of, of a director um, during this whole pandemic garbage, because to try to invigorate a room full of people and try to convince them and sell them on a really exciting idea, it's very different being in the room because you can read a room when you're in a room. I'm, I, I can speak from experience because I'm that guy. I find it very difficult. It's very, very challenging to be able to like capture a room. Um, and and that's, that's not just harder for me, but it's also less exciting for those who want to be captured. You know what I mean? And so I think you want to try to put yourself in a position where you can physically be there because it's going to probably be a much, much, not just more enjoyable experience for you, but also um, a more, um, a better learning experience for you, I think, to, to ramp up and feel like you're really part of the team. You can very easily feel like, othered by being kind of remote and never really connecting the way you could in person but to each their own right your your mileage may vary um uh petter has got he snuck one under the radar here he wants to know if we have rick rick arroyo on the show we could ask him oh yeah for sure that'll be fun we we both know him very well so um is it do you miss richard do you want him on the show do you want do you want me to do we should we ask him should we tell him that you sent us or what Uh, i actually have a good richard arroyo story (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah well then you're gonna tell it now you can't you, you made me tell my little little tease um last time you got a story true i have to do it rick Ariel was actually my first lead ever true story. in tv international 21 years ago uh <laughs> it's and yeah for anyone that knows Rick and a little bit the energy that he has. I can assure you that young Rick Arriola at 20 years old had the same drive oh, yeah. and the same energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, arguably, it was my quote-unquote lead because the project was just a disaster and they were uh, they decided to send the entire project to be finished in Asia and some of the team were transferred to another project where all the cool kids including Brent was uh, actually uh, uh, working um, so he just happened to become my lead because he, he was the most senior on the team mm. with like two and a half years of experience at that, yeah. uh, at that point uh, you know mm. it was very early 2000 so you, uh, it, it was a different world um, but basically, I, I, he was not a good animator, but he was, I was way worse than he was at, uh, at that time. So he could provide a few advice. It made sense for me to, to, to follow. And one of, <laughs> one of the first time I show a, and you know, he had the pressure of, you know, he also had a supervisor. So, and I'm the new junior <laughs> animator for, for time job. So uh, if I don't do well, well, it's going to reflect, <laughs> reflect bad on him and he doesn't want that. So he's going to make sure that I'm going to provide the goods. Uh, and let's just say that the first review uh, that he gave me of my animation was more an advice of revisit if it's really what I wanted to do in life because what I was producing was <laughs> Ouch. bad to the point of maybe I'll never be good at, at it. Oh, and it. And I and I remember just going outside, taking a break, and walking around, <laughs> asking myself, "Okay, what do I do? Do I quit and just change it career?" <laughs> or do I go back in? I, you know, and I oh, take up my, my sleeve and, and oh, work on man. it. And fortunately, I I did the the, the yeah. second option because I <laughs> I just wanted to mainly prove him wrong. Yeah. But at the same time, I also wanted him to be happy with the work that I was providing. Yeah. <laughs> so so it, it so it it started a very interesting uh, journey because it was not the first time that we worked uh, uh, together afterwards, and eventually we both. Uh, you know, it was in video game. I was in uh, DreamWorks, and that's when we uh, started the game program. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it was a, a very interesting beginning of 
the journey of our friendship, which started in yes. a very almost, dramatic. Yeah, <laughs> almost a miracle that you are not only friends, but also business partners at this point. Like, look at you yeah. now. He Jokes almost on you, broke Rick me Royo. one month. In, one month in my first job, he almost yeah. broke me. That's it. Like, that's, that's it. I quit. It's not meant and for me. <laughs> the best. The best part. Anybody who knows Rick uh, would, if he was here, he'd be guaranteed. If he heard this, his ears are probably burning right now. He'd be thinking, <laughs> yes, but you see, it was all part of the plan, David. This pressure built you into the titan that you are today. You're welcome, David Uber. That's probably what he would say. Uh, I'm Guaranteed sure would it, it would be along those lines, but it, it would be a little bit more energetic. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I, no one, no one can match the energy level of Rick Arroyo, and I'm a pretty energetic guy, and I can't, I can't even touch that. He's on fire. Yeah. Well, we should, we should reach out. Rick's a very entertaining person to chat with, so that would be fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of which, it is seven minutes past David's bedtime, um, and I we got to wrap things up anyway. So, David, thank you for always being here. Um, thanks for digging through more of these questions. We did do good today. We got through one on the backlog, but we successfully answered every single question, and there were many today. So, thank you. Awesome. Good job, Brent. Thank you. Cheers, dude. Bye. <laughs> Uh, thank you very much, chat, for being here tonight. Uh, we are always uh, enjoying these little uh, powwows uh, where you get to just sort of sound off and ask whatever question you want. There's no such thing as a dumb question. As you see, we asked, we answered all of them, even um, NFT questions and eyeball questions. We ask anything. There's no, uh, we're an equal opportunity um, answering machine, David and I. So please do um, write down questions and bring them to these things so that you don't forget. Um, we will, like I said, or at the beginning of the stream today, uh, we will try to do a campaign soon um, to uh, try to just churn up more questions to fill up the backlog because it is getting a little a little slim in there. Um, so um, yeah, start thinking now about any juicy questions uh, that you might have. And this could come like, it could be something that's always bugged you that you always wanted to know. It could be something that's in the news today that you kind of like, um, you know, wanted to you know get our, uh, our thoughts on. It doesn't matter what it is. Bring it to the, to the, to the table because it's always fun to have something to talk about. Until then, uh, or till next time, uh, we do have um, um, something scheduled. Let me just take a look for the timing. We have um, Kirby Atkins. I know he's the, the next one. What's the timing? It is the 15th, which is tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Kirby Atkins. Um, he is um, head of uh, head of development um, and director at Brazen Animation. Um, it should be a pretty good conversation. They always are. Um, we usually bring in um, um, people that have interesting backgrounds and um, something um, particularly pertinent to talk about. So this will be uh, no different, I'm sure. And um, and then, of course, the next thing on the schedule would be next week's Q&A. And, of course, don't forget about the Sunday reviews that we do every week. If you're looking to have your work reviewed for free, then that's a really good way to do it. Um, you can just go ahead and um, fill out Scott's form that he usually sends out there into the internets. And you have to just uh, apply. And we, we randomly choose three people every single week to give feedback. Um, it's me right now, but eventually I'd like to bring in some other sort of guest reviewers. I keep saying that. I haven't done it yet, but it will happen, I promise. Have a really good evening. Stay animated, and um, we'll see you on the next one. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. Agora Community is a free resource for artists in the animation, visual effects, and gaming industries, providing daily educational material, free rigs, and assets. We also have a range of experts you can purchase affordable animation reviews from to help you level up your skills. You can check it all out at agora.community. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn for updates on upcoming conversations and free animation quick tips. So, until next time, stay tuned and stay animated.